0: We said to you last time we talked um we're buried in snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. there hasn't been enough heat or sunshine to get us out yet
1: no, so it's not changed we're in the white cave basically <laughs> <laughs> well it's kind of brown we have brown shades in our house so when they're all closed which you are now because it's so cold out there we're in the brown bubble
0: <laughs> yeah i don't like that part of it then we keep the shades down but we do it because for obvious reasons, it keeps the house warmer. But then I feel like I'm just, whoo, it is really shut
1: in. Yeah, when we go in the kitchen, you can see out the window. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's really bright up that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we pray that you're all having a great day. We are, even though we're shut in. We don't mind being shut in. No. In fact, I just got off the phone with a friend of mine I haven't talked to in I don't even know how many years, a gazillion, close to, I don't know. How long? Eight? At least. It was right after we moved back here. Yeah. And um, we were talking about being shut in and how much we love being shut in. (laughs) (laughs) Because we we get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, we hope that you uh, are all doing well and bundled warm if you're in winter conditions. You know, wait,
1: could I ring someone? Oh, I I guess. I think it's interesting that God is putting on your heart. call people that were important in your life that you haven't talked to in a long time, and God is using you, uh, who knows what that's leading to?
0: Ah, now it does make me wonder, am I going to die?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) well that's true. She just got a diagnosis of cancer. You know, but no, I I wasn't necessarily thinking about people (laughs) dying. I was thinking maybe God was using you to bring Jesus into their life or something.
0: Possibly, I hope that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. You're and listening I'm, to God, and I'm letting them know that I called you because the Lord told me to. I mean, I had to search for their phone number. I, it was funny. Anyway, it's, it's all good. I have a list of people that He's been telling telling me to contact.
1: Well, so. oh, I just think it's interesting because, you know, God uses us in in so many different ways. You know, we can think to a point where we think, "Well, I'm too old or too infirm or anything to do anything for the Lord." It's like Georgia Mama, our Georgia Mama. Yeah. She, uh, you know, has been in ministry many, many years, and now she she texts people. Yeah. You know, and that's her ministry, yeah. and and she is diligent and texts so many people. We stayed with her and it just blew my mind out. She just spends hours and hours and hours texting people. She's very faithful to it every day. Every day, you know, and uh, I text her back and forth a lot and you do too, I know, and you know, it's interesting the ministries God will bring up in our lives. You know, we we can never think God never puts anybody on a shelf. I think he uses his all.
0: That's a great thing to say. I appreciate that. I don't need to be on a shelf right no, now.
1: No, no, I mean he there might be an elf on a shelf, but there is no saints on a shelf.
0: Oh, no way.
1: No, he uses us.
0: And I did need to make that call so I could minister to her since she got a recent diagnosis of cancer.
1: Amen. Who knows where it will lead? I don't know. Where is this going to (laughs) lead?
0: I don't know. (laughs) It's going to lead into Luke. (laughs) So we are going to uh, look at the book of Luke today and uh, look into that. And then, of course, as always, we'll do a song, and Robert's going to read a bit from his book. And all that fun stuff. It's
1: pretty. You know, if you listen to us often enough, you know there's a... Rosalie's making hand gestures. She's speaking Italian to you right now. Oh, She's, they can't see it. <laughs> They can't see the hand gestures. They can't hear you. Know. It. Yeah. But it is interesting how people listen to this podcast. There are people come in all the time who go back and listen to old episodes. It's, it, it's constant. People come in, they listen to the new episode, and then they also listen to older episodes. they probably go back to chapter to see if we're as
0: crazy then as we yeah.
1: are now. Or listening, to maybe they're just tuning in for the first time, and they hear chapter 28 or something of the book, and they go, oh, wow, I'm going to go back and start, Ooh. find chapter 1 and all this. Yeah. You know, and so that so is here interesting. We are. Here we are. We're going to go into Luke. And I don't know about other people, but God seems to do this to me regularly will get me stuck in something in, in the Bible. And I'll just read it over and over. Like I've been reading a, a chapter out of the book of Proverbs every day for years. I don't even know how many years, you know. And, and he sometimes gets you caught in something. Like I've been caught in Luke 6, oh, probably for at least a year. And uh, it, it's... It's embedded in my mind, you know, and this is something that's out of Luke 6, Luke 6, um, 27 to 30. You know, in in the beginning of of this chapter, you know, it's the Sermon on the the Plain, as it's called. You know, he starts out this this section basically saying you're blessed when you've lost it all and all this. And he goes telling people different ways that we're blessed. We're blessed when this happens. We're blessed when this happens. And then there's trouble ahead if this happens, and there's trouble ahead when this happens. But then he gets to a point there in 37, where he says, to you who are ready for the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is it, see, Jesus taught in, in, in different ways, like he taught to the multitudes and he used parables, always used parables and stories. And then he narrowed it down, you know, to the disciples, and he spoke to the disciples, and there are places where they'd ask him questions. He'd say, Well, to those outside, it's just in stories, but to you, it's been given to understand. And then he further narrows it down to the 12, you know, the 12 apostles, and he talks to them even more about things like his death and his coming resurrection and everything, although they never seem to get the, the picture he did teach them about it. And then he narrows it down even further to the inner three, you know, uh, Peter, John, and his brother James. And they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration and actually see him glorified in this life. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there are certain places where he gives teachings just to those three. And so, You know, he talks in different ways and teaches in different ways to different groups of people while he ministered here on earth. And at this point, he is saying to you who are ready for the truth, I say this, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the supple moves of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, Stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt, gift wrap your best coat and make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more payback. Live generously, you know. And that is such a a, a deep, deep thing in God's economy God's world God's life for us Mm -hmm. is to see ourselves as people who will take it you know like slap me in the face I'm gonna turn my other cheek you know if you you sin against me how many times should I forgive you seven times no seventy times seven Mm -hmm. you know if someone takes something from you don't ask for it back that's how it's translated in In uh, the King James and in the New King James, if someone steals from you, don't ask for it back. Here, if someone steals your shirt, give them your coat.
0: What, if
1: they steal your house? If they steal your house, (laughs) don't let them, you know, that's
0: it. Yeah, I'm going to go quickly and and just quickly go through that story, why I said that. Because we had sold a home to some young kids on contract, and they defaulted. And well, no, they didn't default. They had not made payments, and we—I kept saying we need to get that house back. And he kept saying, brother, kept saying, no, we're not supposed to ask back from people who steal you. And I said, God wasn't talking about a house. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, I have a very strong husband, walking strong in the Lord, and we did did not take any action, as he said, and then. Uh, Pretty soon, one of the neighbors there, because we were in a totally different state now by this time, and the neighbors called and said, oh, they're not even there. There's no tire marks going into their house, nothing. So, uh, at that point, we were able to get the house back without anybody being troubled.
1: We didn't have ask for it back. We just got it back.
0: We got it back, and we actually sold it for more.
1: Much more. Much
0: more. And actual money,
1: not just promises. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. So the obedience. I guess I said all that just to say obeying God is what we need to do.
1: Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know, and this is this is a teaching that's that's hard to ingest and hard to live. You know, and it goes against human nature that you know if someone takes something from you, give them something else. You know, if someone ta- you know puts you down, to just stand there and take it. No more payback. No more tit for tat.
0: Yeah. So my Bible says no more tit
1: for tat. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's, a, it's a lesson that, that we need to learn. But like he said, it's only for those who are ready for the truth.
0: I guess I wasn't ready for that truth <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you socked it to me then.
1: <laughs> you know, but that's, that's a very interesting thing to me because how many people are there who aren't ready for the truth? They don't want the truth. They, wanna, they, wanna, they want they wanna, everything they believe to be proven true. Right. They don't want the truth. Exactly. You know, and...
0: And we s- see that today in the political arena. I'm not going to go into it. No. no. <clears throat> I'm just going to say that.
1: So. Well, we see it in the church.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know,
1: that, that people have made up their own uh, ways of doing things. And, uh, you know, how many churches we've been in and, and you hear about, they go... Oh, we do everything the Bible way. And then you look at what they're doing, and none of it's in the Bible. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wait a minute, none of that's in the Bible. You know, but we do everything the Bible way. And, you know, it's not that they're trying to be terrible, they just aren't ready for the truth. Yeah. You know, and they read the, read the Bible and don't see the truth, you know. Because they're more comfortable. They don't have to live the truth if they don't know the truth. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You know, and it comes down to uh, a matter of implementing what God tells us and implementing what, what he shows us in his word. Because if we just see it and don't do it, what good is it? You know, what good is it? And he, he goes on and in uh, Luke, further on in Luke, uh, he talks about this. And forty six. Forty six. Starting at verse forty six. He says, Why are you so polite with me? Always saying, Yes, sir, that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words. Words to build a life on. And, you know, that goes for everything he's talking about, uh, the way we live, how we interact with others, you know. And then he goes on, he says, if you work the words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But he doesn't stop there. He goes to the other side. He said, but if you just take my, use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. You know, I, I had a, a kind of a revelation you might say recently about if, if our life or anything, if an organization, if a church, if a country, if anything, collapses like a house of cards when it comes under pressure, it was nothing but a house of cards to begin with. Right, It right. wasn't built on a firm That's right. You know, <laughs> and, and we look at this, he, 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 to me, the way it's, it's stated here in the message, if you just use my words in bible studies he's not talking to you know people who are out carousing in bars and running around and not looking at what he's saying mm-hmm. he's talking about people who are in bible studies using his words but not implementing his words
0: yes but yet again i was struck recently by a person who whose mother would beat him up with the word.
1: That's true. So, you know, it's.
0: Yeah. You
1: have
0: to be careful how we use the word.
1: Well, yeah, if we use it to beat somebody up, if we use it to, as some kind of weapon, that's, that's a perversion. Yes. That's for sure. You know, but it, it's an analogy, or it would be like, you know, if, if somebody gave you a brand new car and it's sitting out in the driveway, you know, you got it. It's your car. It's right there. But, oh, I'm not going to use it. Never use it. You mm-hmm. might as well not even have it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what good is it? I mm-hmm. mean, it's just sitting there, you know. And so it's the same with, with the Word of God. We get the Word of God and we get it in us, but if we don't use it, if we don't implement it, what good is it doing us? Amen. You know, what good is it doing us? And that's what I got for today. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I think that's uh, very appropriate and very true. Praise God. Amen. Hope somebody got something out of it somewhere, somehow. Amen. <laughs> so now we're going to go into the song. I don't know what song. We have not picked that song.
0: <laughs> oh, this is funny. It's
1: going to be a song.
0: There will be a song. <laughs> there will
1: be. We're not wrong. It'll be a song. Yeah. We don't know which song at, which at song. the moment. At the moment. But we will soon. So enjoy this song.
0: <laughs> enjoy the pause while we look <laughs> for the song. Yeah, well, it's kind of fun. that was funny. to be back with you after our little discussion here and song hope you enjoyed the song and it is so right on always in our lives right on (laughs) do what he said to do and I've been experiencing that just recently feeling as if the Lord's been telling me to contact some people that I haven't contacted for a long time some of them many many years And uh, I did. I made some contacts. And so I'm telling him, again, obey the Lord. If he's telling him to do something, do what he says to do. Okay, so now, Robert, we're going to, you're going to
1: read a chapter (laughs) in America's Trojan War. And the the battle is heating up. If you've been following this, the battle is heating up. And as we've said before, this is the first book in a five-book series a dystopian future between 2016 and 2024, a civil war in modern America. And you can pick this book up at uh, Amazon.com, just in the search line, put in America's Trojan War, Dr. Robert Owens. It'll pull everything right up. There's a link to all my books there, link to the rest of the series, and, you know, Hope you enjoy it. Amen. Amen. Chapter 29, the Battle of Walter Reed. Down the rabbit hole, the 13th Armored Brigade of the West Virginia National Guard easily rolled over the remnants of the ISIS terrorists that at once form a formidable perimeter around Walter Reed House, The warriors inside the building were dead. The hellfire missiles had shattered the building and there were fires in many places. In other places, corridors were choked with debris or opening into nothing 40 feet from the ground. The enemy command center in a large conference room on the third floor had taken a direct hit and was half buried. The dead and dying lay everywhere. Blood and gore covered what was left of the wall and the moans and groans and cries of the wounded filled the air. Abdel al-Shalab, the first governor of the ISIS province of America, hand-picked and personally appointed by the caliph himself. Abu Bakr al bagadi was dead, crushed by a falling beam. General Malouf, the commander of the second, third, and fourth wave attacks was dead, his body ripped into several chunks by the explosion. Qasam Qasab, commander of the Strike Force One, a former bus driver from Kansas City, who had lived in America for 13 years as a sleeper for the Muslim Brother until he pledged his allegiance to isis online last year was dead with his skull smashed by a flying brick surveying the scene of destruction and immediately grasping the new situation caused by the death of all these leaders adam kahib second in command of strike force one stepped up and took command of the situation seeing the row of communication stations were largely untouched by the explosion and the subsequent collapse of part of the roof adan moved forward with the details he had long known the final act of this American passion play. Halim, command the guards to kill all the patients and tell those guarding the unbeliever whores to send about 50 who have had their treatments out to the crusaders so they will know what we think of them and their polluted country. Yes, sir, Halim said as he began transmitting the orders. In Colonel Johnson's Humvee, which was rolling onto the hospital property behind the wall of armor that was the 13th Brigade, Sergeant Hubs, who was in the back seat monitoring the enemy communications in the building and spoke fluent arabic said colonel the leader of the terrorists has just ordered the execution of all the patients said something about sending a bunch of whores in our direction though he didn't know what whores was code for colonel johnson knew what executing patients was all about they were all either wounded active duty soldiers or vets he was not about to stand by while these heroes died at the hands of enemies who never should have been allowed in this country to begin sergeant hubbs Radio Colonel Larson to take the infantry into the building and clear out the enemy with extreme prejudice. Yes, sir, Sergeant Hubbs replied, turning quickly to carry out his orders. Moments later, after he had transmitted the orders, Lieutenant Colonel Larson, and as the infantry was running past their home V towards the smashed and smoking building, Hubbs said, Sir, I have Colonel Hodges of the 24th Armored on the line. Give me that headset. Billy Ray, it's about time you got here. General Corbain told me you would be coming. Is Hank Osborne in the 11th with you? Colonel Johnson asked. No, Hank was ordered to divert to Rockville, take back the town. Now what I'm hearing, it has turned into a real handful of crap. So it's just the fighting 13th and the mighty 24th, just like it was that day in Al-Hadaya, in the sandbox, when all those jihadis tried to take out your command post, answered Colonel Hodges. Only this time the Bedouins are on American soil. We just overheard them ordering the execution of all the patients and something about sending whores our way. I don't know what the hell they mean by whores, but I damn well know what they mean about executing our wounded. I've sent in my infantry to clear these bastards out. Hopefully we'll be able to take and rescue some of our people, Colonel Johnson said as he watched his leading units fighting their way into the building. What do you want us to do, Dave? Colonel Hodges asked. Billy Ray, form a ring around the battle site. Don't let any of these terrorists get out when the fire gets too hot. Send half your infantry in to support my guy. Will do, Dave. And Dave, keep your head down. And your guard up, Colonel Johnson finished the line they used to say to each other over and over again during the battles back in iraq handing the headset back to sergeant hubbs dave itched to get into the fight but he knew he needed to stand back to provide command and control sir lieutenant Sorensen is reporting that a large number of american women are coming out of a stairwell on the first floor reported hubbs good maybe they've changed their minds or some other cooler heads have prevailed and they're going to release the hostages, replied Colonel Johnson. I don't think that's it, sir. Lieutenant Sorensen is reporting that the released prisoners are all women are mostly naked and in bad shape, said Hugg. Now Lieutenant Sorensen reports he's sending the women to the rear and pressing the fight to clear the first floor. Waiting until the women were clear, both the terrorists and the Americans observed a brief ceasefire, which was shattered by a resumption of fire by the terrorists. Several Americans, who had carelessly left cover and dropped their guard while they were dealing with the wounded and shell-shot women, were killed or wounded in the first burst of fire from the enemy. Lieutenant George Sorensen, who was an officer on the Charlestown West Virginia police force when he wasn't active with the guard, had an abiding hatred for Islamist terrorists. During his last tour in Iraq, his two best friends, Billy Anderson and James Bubba Seek, were both killed. Bubba had been captured. They found his bleeding and partially dismembered body hanging from a lamppost. Seeing the battered and bruised bodies and the shame of humiliation and the tears of the women made his hatred rise to a blinding rage. Firing as he ran, he led his troops in a mad assault on the terrorist positions on the first floor. Jumping over fallen bodies and chairs, Sorensen ran directly into the guns of the enemy and miraculous wasn't hit. Men were falling all around him as he leapt over an improvised defensive wall of desks and tackled two jihadis at once. His M sixteen was empty, so he used it as a club. After he smacked one on the side of the head with a composite butt, he shoved a barrel into the other man's left eye. As his men poured over and around the wall of the desk, Sorensen went through the crowded bunch of defenders like a buzzsaw. First with his pistol he shot men in the head chest and anywhere he could until his gun was empty then he pulled his knife and began slicing and stabbing until there was no one left to kill picking up an m16 from the floor a few magazines from a dead soldier called behind him come on man let's get these bastards and he started to his left where the last group of terrorists on the first floor were holding out coming in behind Sorensen's squad was able to cut them down and in short order the first floor was once again american terror looking around and seeing that he was was the senior man standing. Lieutenant Roh- Sorensen keyed the microphone that dangled from his left shoulder and said, First floor is secure. We're heading into the stairwells, going up to the second floor. Man after man fell at Sorensen's side as they battled their way up the stairwells and onto the second floor. But still the man's luck held out. The second floor turned into a contest of who could best throw and who could best avoid hand grenades. After many deaths and many wounds that would change lives forever, the Americans won the contest the second floor was secure the stairwells going up to the third and final floor had all been severely damaged by the Hellfire Missile. The troopers of the 13th Brigade had to keep up a constant fire, and in places they had to use ropes and their best climbing skills to make it to the next landing in the face of a determined and entrenched enemy. Luckily, these were all West Virginia boys. They had grown up climbing mountains and running up slippery rocky paths. It was a slow slog. It started to seem as if no one could fight their way past the second landing in any of the stairwells. Colonel Johnson, Lieutenant Sorensen reports the men are stalled and the shattered stairwells leading from the second to the third floors. They may have to withdraw from the stairwells altogether. He reports the terrorists are dropping hand grenades. The losses are becoming unsustainable, said Sergeant Hubbs. Tell him to pull back out of the stairwells and wait for reinforcements from the 24th to arrive. Yes, sir, Hubs responded before he transmitted the order to pull back. Lieutenant Sorensen hated to pull back. Every fiber in his being wanted to get at these invaders who had desecrated this institution dedicated to healing America's wounded warriors. He knew they couldn't get up the shattered stairwell. He needed more men and another strategy. Down on the ground in his command vehicle, Colonel Johnson sent more men as he came up with another strategy. Hubs, get Colonel Greenstein of the 337th Combat Aviation Brigade on the horn. In a moment, Hubs was handing the headset to Johnson. Colonel Greenstein, my men are back. They're blocked up by shattered stairwells between the second and third floors. Send your Chinooks over to the 24th Armored in the second ring. Put as many infantry on them as you can and drop them on the roof yes sir we'll make that end run for you greenstein answered handing the headset back to hubs colonel johnson said now get colonel hodges on for me yes sir hubs handed the headset to colonel johnson as soon as hodges was on the line billy ray i'm sending some chinooks to your location our men are held up by shattered stairwells they can't get from the second to the third floor fill those chinooks they'll drop your men on the roof take the third floor and let's wind this thing up you've got it dave my men have been chopping at the bit to get in there and kill some of these no-good terrorist scum. Soon the Chinooks were alerting the men for the final assault, not knowing they would go up on the roof, only to go down the rabbit hole.
0: Thank you, Robert. I hope you can all feel the earth trembling under the excitement of the book right now, because I sure can. And, and uh, be sure to tune in next week for more of it. Speaking of tuning in, Robert's already told you how to purchase his books. We also want you to know if you want to contact us, please feel free to do so to let us know what you might need prayer for or what you would like to hear us talk about and, or, or to schedule us to come and chit-chat.
1: You come you're <laughs> coming play music. Yes, oh, that's
0: right. We also want to let you know about a new venture Robert and I have started. It's called The Pair-A-Docs Shop. And what it is is where you can purchase our artwork. So we ask you to go over to www. the pair docs shop com and look at our artwork and give us some feedback on that too
1: and you can also go to Facebook and just put in the paradox shop too and it'll pull it up on Facebook or Instagram, Instagram yeah you know so uh, and with the book that we're reading you know we are, careening towards the climax yes and we are coming to the end of this book and there's only uh, four more chapters left i believe and so hang in there yeah we're gonna get there yes so it's been wonderful spending this time with you
0: amen see you next time
1: bye bye i guess we won't see
0: you but <laughs> you'll hear us we won't even hear you but <laughs> well, we could yeah i guess okay Bye
1: bye! I took the right turn!